time. Oh, well, there goes my phone. How are we doing for time? There we go. Let me just take this off. Let me kick off with the video. There was sound, but our sound's not working so well. Oh, great, sound works. We have the technology, or the people at least. Let me just shoot off with this. This is the background to this morning's address. Thank you. Okay, so it, this may we, we may struggle with this today, but you can hear me now, yeah? Okay, so I'll try not to move. Yeah. Okay, we're there. I want to lay down a bit of his background. It's the crucifixion. It's speaking of Jesus' death for us. Meg, would you just put that text up from Jeremiah 31? It's just before the show. I want to put this text as a background to what we're hearing now. It's, 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 um, um, oh, it's not that easy. L let me quote it. We all know it. Jeremiah 30, don't worry, Meg. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. We know that text. It's up there now. I want you to keep that as a backdrop. Tell me what's that assuring us of? That God's love is unconditional he loved you if you believe in him he's loved you eternally i want that as a backdrop because what we're looking at today uh, is bringing a challenge to how we relate to jesus but i want you to keep that in the backdrop so we're looking at we've been, remem we've been remembering those who've died for us as of, uh, in john 15 as we look at that text we quoted earlier I want you to think of the, the cross that we've just looked at, how Jesus gave his life for us. And here's our heading as we look at these verses in John 15. Genuine believers are marked by sacrificial obedience to Christ's commands. That's the subheading, okay? It's the mark of a disciple. Genuine believers are marked by sacrificial obedience to Christ's commands. Heaven and hell that we spoke of last week are such big deals that you need to have some assurance. We need to have some assurance where we stand in faith. Because Christendom covers over a billion people that's over a billion people who are convinced they're in or they're Christian. And you don't have to speak too long to any one of those a billion to know actually 
a lot of people are, I think someone said he was, I heard it in a, at a conference recently, uh, a lot of people are fans of Jesus, but not the followers of Jesus. And there's a distinction, can you see that? A distinction between being a fan of Jesus. You know about him, you think he's great, you want a bit of what he's got. Jesus had thousands of those, remember? And a follower of Jesus. How many was he left with? After the multiple thousands that followed him, the fans, how many was he left with on the day of Pentecost? 120, the 12 plus the expanded group, just 120 that we know were left in faith of the multiple thousands he ministered to. And so the question we're asking is, is I want to be certain of heaven, what's the genuine mark that I can, I can in all sincerity expect to be with Jesus in his kingdom. So genuine believers are marked by sacrificial obedience to Christ's commands. Let me take you through these verses. Verse nine, as the Father has loved me, Jesus is speaking, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Can you see something about the love Jesus has for us? First of all, he wants us to know that he's in a loving relationship with his Father. His Father loves him. John 3, verse 35, the Father loves the Son. John 5, 20, the Father loves the Son. He reiterates it. The truth is repeated again there in John 15. And, and the point Jesus is making is that his Father loves him and that becomes the turning point or the catalyst or the model through which he loves the church. Can you see that? Jesus' love for the church is something that Jesus has learned, has seen modeled, has felt himself, and then he becomes the means through which that same love that is experienced from the Father towards himself is the love which he loves the church with. And in Ephesians, Paul tells us there, the depth of that love, listen to this, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It doesn't mean he just gave up his job. He did the stuff we saw in the video. Gave up his life. It's the greatest expression. It doesn't mean, of course, that we're, we're only loved by Jesus and somehow the Father is that Old Testament fearful character that we're somehow alienated from and it's all Jesus. No, I think we have to understand that whether in the old, whether in the new, and we just quoted Jeremiah 31, I have loved you with an everlasting love. The Father loves the church. Listen to this, John 3.16 is the most famous verse in the Bible. For the Father of God so loved the world. And we know he loved the world. He wasn't just blowing I love yous from intercellar land somewhere. How do we know he loved us? For God so loved the world. How do we know that he loves us? He gave his son. So the father loves us, but I think Jesus' point is that Jesus is the first recipient of that love. And then becoming the recipient of that love, that love turns from him to us. Listen to this. As verse 9, as the father has loved me, as I've felt his love, experienced his love, known his love, so with that love, I've loved you. He loves us. Almost as Jesus, if you like, is almost the mediator 
of God's love to you. Now, it moves forward. Let's, let's carry on. Now, all this is set up for what Christ really wants to say to his disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. You see how that follows that up? We're loved, we said that. We're loved on grace, we said that last week. But what do we mean, we're loved by grace? What does that mean? It's unconditional. We're loved by grace, not by merit. Uh, that does stand, but nevertheless, and this is where, you, if you want to handle the Bible right, you need to have a mind that can flex on multiple levels. Because it doesn't come to us in just human understanding. Because Jesus is now going to say something that may challenge unconditional love, but it actually contributes to it. Listen to this. Yes, we are saved by grace. We're loved through grace. It's unmerited. But nevertheless, there's a response from us that's complicit in that loving relationship. Look, as the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain. That's a verb. It's a doing word. Can you see that? Okay, here's a Greek, if you want to know it. It's, it's a Greek word, meno. Let me just show you what that word means. There. It means to stay or to remain, to live, to dwell, to abide, to be in a state that begins and continues, yet may or may not end or stop. To abide in Christ is to follow his example of love, a life of obedience to the will of God. So can you see what Jesus is saying there? Jesus is saying, look, as the Father loved me, so I love you. But that love for you requires this, for you to remain in my love. If he's asking us to remain in his love, what does that mean that, that, that he is challenging? What's he challenging? Or stepping away. Can you see that? Let me just continue to expand it. That's verse 9. Let me take it to verse 10. Where Jesus further demonstrates this, how this love has to be reciprocal for it to be real love. Verse 10. What does he say there? It's even stronger. If you obey my commands. So how do you remain in Jesus' love? How do you become, continue to be a re, uh, uh, the beneficiary of Jesus' love and inner relationship and certain of heaven? What does Jesus anchor it on? Someone tell me, verse 10. Obedience to his commands. Can you see that? You remain in my love, says Jesus, only and if... You're only a genuine believer, says Jesus, only and if. Don't stone me. I'm just a messenger boy. If you obey my commands, then you'll remain in my love. And the point being is, it's not that Jesus falls out of love with us. It's that we never were in his love. Because if we were in his love, we would never fall out of it. And that's the point there. So we remain in his love. We are true in faith. We are certain of heaven if we're in a reciprocal, ongoing relationship which expresses itself primarily and most obviously in obedience to Jesus. If I'm a footballer, do you call it AFL? That, that uh, would-be wannabe football? Is it AFL? Okay. If I'm a would-be wannabe football player, okay, 
I have to turn up and play on the pitch. I was going to say kick the ball, but you can handball it, can't you? You know, I have to be on the pitch and handle the ball. To be in a real relationship with Jesus, it has to be reciprocal, and it's anchored in handling the ball, anchored in obedience to his word. Says Jesus, genuine believers are marked by sacrificial obedience to Christ's commands. And notice that this obedience of Christ's commands is a witness of our love for him. Listen to this. If you obey my commands, you remain in my love. And listen, just as I have obeyed my father's command and remain in his love. How did we, how do we know that Jesus is truly the father's son? Because he could have been a nobody telling us anything. How can we be certain that Jesus is God's son in a relationship with him, one with him? What was it about his life? He obeyed his father's commands. And so Jesus is saying, you want to know what love, love, love looks like? Look, my father loves me and I love him. Do you want to know what that looks like? It's not about Valentine's cards. It looks like this. I obey everything he asks me to do. And he's saying, that's what love looks like. I demonstrated that to you. He goes, for God so loved the world. Okay, uh, uh, just so I obey my father and my father's love remains in me. We see it in John three sixteen. Look, this is what God asked him to do. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God the Father is asking his son or giving his son. He's saying, look, go, do this thing. Now, at that juncture, Jesus has an opportunity to demonstrate his love for his father. How will he demonstrate his love for his father when he says to him, go, I have a people and I want you to sacrifice yourself for them. He has an option, doesn't he? Can you see? He has, he has there's a response to make. What's his response when the father asks of him the ultimate? And remember, he was, he was asking of him the ultimate because what he's asking him to do, where was Jesus dwelling for all of eternity? Heaven. As the majesty of heaven. What was he asking him to do? Before then? That's, we'll get there in a minute. Leave it? Come here. Where was he born? In a grotty, stable, what kind of life did he live? No one knew who he was. Okay, he was despised, then he did his ministry. What, how did people treat him when he preached his sermon? And this is a message for every preacher. That's why you, know, you try and let negative responses flow over you. you know, uh, what were they like towards him when he ministered for three years? What did they try and do to him over and over again? Kill him, despise him. They were critical of him. He put up with all that. So when he said go... He was asking him to pull up with all that and at the end of it to die. And what does Jesus do? No. Well, you're asking too much. I don't want to today. No. How does he demonstrate his love for his father? Hebrews 10, 7. Listen to this. Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do what? To do your... Can you see... What is Jesus demonstrating in that action? That he wants his father. He loves his father. He's obeying him because he loves his father. And so, friends, we see throughout his ministry, he was continually demonstrating that he loves his father. He was demonstrating, look, how do you show your kids how to do something? Brenda, you want to teach your kids how to do a bit of carpentry? Uh, what do you do? Do you just get a textbook out? What do you do? 
You show them. So look, and he wants us to love him and the Father. So he shows us. Look, he's saying in effect, look, I want to show you what it looks like to love God. Watch me. John 4. My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me. John 8. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always what? Do what he pleases. And John 10, 17. Listen to this. The reason my, look how strong is that? The thing that my father's love turns on towards me is what? That I obey him to the ultimate. The reason my father loves me. So this, this, this uh, relationship between the father and his son is grounded in <coughs> obedience and submission which expresses, expresses love. So coming back to our point, Jesus tells us that our love for him identically hinges on our obedience to the Father. If you obey my commands, you too, like I remain in my Father's love, you also will remain in, in my love if you follow suit. Simply put, friends, that if we consistently fail to live with Jesus, let me put it this way, if we have little or no regard for how Jesus wants us to live, then Jesus is saying to you, I don't know who you are, but you don't belong to my church. Because the way you express your love to me is not to sing it in a worship song, because I don't care about you. Remember what he said to Israel? I don't care about your sacrifices. Okay? I want to know that what you sing marries up with the way you live. I want to know those words you can sing to me so easily. It's very simple. I just stand up, I love you, Jesus, and song, I love you, Jesus. I don't care about what you say. I want to know, how are you living? What do you do? What do you do when I ask you to do the impossible? Because you know what, said Jesus? My father asked me to do the impossible, and I obeyed him. I'm asking you to obey me whatever it costs. And in that action, you're revealing your sincere love for me like I reveal my sincere love for my Father by obeying him. Verse 12. So, here it is. What does it look like? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus is almost setting up one single command that sums up the whole of the Bible. You wonder how? How can the one command to love our brother, to love each other, we're talking about Christians loving Christians, sum up the entire Bible? I'll tell you how. Because they're all interconnected. Watch this.
Isn't it nice when things just work? That's an advert for a Honda vehicle. All those bits were different parts of that car. The point was simple, that to get that car to start and drive off that platform required all those interlocking, connected processes. That's what Jesus is saying here in John 15. You see, there's a chain reaction envisaged when Jesus says, the greatest command that he wants you to obey is to love each other. Because that's the one small cog that in sequence knocks onto every other thing that finally and ultimately makes the car go, which is finally and ultimately, when it's been through all that process, demonstrates you love Jesus. And it begins with loving your brother. You see, it's not just that we are to only love our brothers and sisters, we've obeyed all the commands, but loving our brothers and sisters expresses ultimately all of commands and the ultimate one, which is to love the Lord our God, is Matthew 24. Jesus replied, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command, and then one that follows is this, love your neighbor as yourself. In loving your neighbor as yourself, you're expressing that love to God. Here's what Carson says. He's a theologian of theologians, so he'll make much more sense than I do. Listen to what Carson said. says, love for God or for Jesus himself is presupposed in Jesus' commands in John 15, 12. Jesus' point is not that love for fellow believers exempts one from the call to love God with heart, mind, and soul or from any other of his commands. It's not that like that's the only one, he don't do anything else, no. But that genuine love for God, and thus the love for all his commands, ensures genuine love for his son, who is a focal point of divine revelation. That genuine love for the son ensures obedience to him. That obedience to him, to Jesus, is especially tested by obedience to the new commandment that he gives, the command to love fellow believers, by an unbreakable chain, love for God is tied to and verified for love for other believers. Did you get that? <laughs> if it's simplified, if you don't love him or her, you don't love God. You don't love Jesus, you're not obeying his commands, you don't love God and there's no heaven. It's that simple. It's just that simple. And it's all encapsulated in that command. And it's simply this, friends, that the chain reaction that leads from loving one another to loving God is anchored in that text. To love God with all our hearts turns on loving one another, and that turns on loving Jesus because he asks us to do it. That turns on loving Jesus because he asks us to obey all his commands, and that turns on us replicating what Jesus does towards his Father, and therefore we love him as he loves his Father. In John 5, 14 there, this is just as strong, we'll skip a verse, uh, uh, Meg, John 15, if you love me, and Jesus is saying effectively, don't tell me you love me. I don't want to hear the words, because if you love me, you will obey me. And then yes, come and sing. Sing to me, because then your songs mean something to me. 
It's then that I want to hear you sing. And it's then that I want to hear you sing as loud as and often as you want. So Christian, Christian, genuine and sacrificially loving one another means that we're genuinely and sacrificially loving Jesus and in turn God with all our hearts, souls and mind. And therefore, the obvious truth is if we do not love one another, we do not love God. We're not Christian in the genuine sense if we're sitting here this morning and there's not real, genuine love between us. Here's what one John says, John the disciple of Jesus, he says this, if anyone says, I love God, or anyone sings it, or anyone reads it in the Bible, or anyone brags about it to somebody, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. There must be genuine love between us. What does that look like then? Okay. So I like to say, okay, we've got to love each other. What does that look like? Someone tell me. Is that just I sit next to them or she's just sitting next to her dad? Of course she loves him. Okay. I want to see would she sit next to him? Now that'll be the test, wouldn't it? Is it just about who we sit next to? Is it just about who we phone up? Is that, is that how we express our love? Is it just about uh, who we hang out with? Who we go to dinner with? No. Somebody asked, oh, let, me, let me throw it out. What's the ultimate way that I can reveal that I really, genuinely love that brother or sister? Spend time with them. By actions, I'm thinking of one particular action. Forgiveness. Service, forgiveness, there's even something better than that. Remember the video, which was the background at the beginning? To die for them. To be prepared to die for them. That's how you know. You see, I can say I love Pam and she only wants uh, a tenner off me once a week. Do you know I have to give her a tenner every week just to keep this relationship going? Okay, and, and it's not Aussie, it's sterling, so that's worth about $18, okay? All right, but you know, that, that, that's, that, that's not really that costly, okay? You see, that, that doesn't really express my relationship with her. I'll tell you what would really express my relationship with her is would I be prepared to put my life on the line for her preservation? Because there was one who did exactly that and demonstrated what genuine and authentic love looks like. Genuine, authentic love. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. How did he love us? He died for us. And then he, and then, then he says these words, it's lovely. Greater love has no one than this. So this is the ultimate expression of love. The quintessential mark that I genuinely love my brother or sister. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. We've already reflected on Remembrance Sunday and how the world over people have laid down their lives for one another. In, 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 in very real, genuine, loving sense. Here we're looking at the love of the, uh, of, 
of Jesus to us, his church, and the reciprocal love that he expects back from us. How do I love my brother or sister? Is that I'm prepared to lay down my life for them. Notice how Jesus regards these people that he's speaking to. He says, this, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And then in verse 14, what does he say about these people? These 12 that he's speaking to, or 11 at least. You're my friend, you're the one. So who's he laying his life down for? Them. Can you see that? Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And then he turns around and he's lovely and he says, you're my friend. You're the ones I'm dying for. But then says what? If you do what I command. Which simply means, Lee, if we consistently and persistently disobey Jesus with no regards, we're not his friends. He hasn't died for you. And your sins or my sins will ultimately condemn me. It's not that I'm reversing my salvation. We're saying is that the love and obedience weeds out genuine converts. It weeds out fans. Oh, I think Jesus is great. I've got his poster and his picture on my wall. I go to all his concerts, you know, Sunday services. It weeds out fans from followers. And that's the point that Jesus is making there. You are my friends. So here's the challenge. I want to ask myself, I want to put the video back on now. I want you to reflect quickly in just a couple of minutes as we watch what love looks like. Is this how I love the brethren? Let's play, please.
Jesus' sacrifice is indeed finished. But it started a sacrificial love that's to be evident in Jesus' church, which is the quintessential mark of genuine faith in Jesus. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. For greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Genuine believers are marked by sacrificial obedience to Christ's command.